Thank you, Father. Turn to the person by your left, by your right. Say welcome to church. The heavens are opened over your life. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Turn to another person. Say get ready for a double portion. Get ready for a double portion. In the name of the intentional God that we serve, get ready for a double portion. Thank you, Lord. With Jesus' joy in my heart, great pleasure. I just want to invite the man of God to, to the altar. Pastor Wale Adedeji has been here before. Let's just welcome him. Let's give him a warm welcome. Just keep putting your hands together. Give it up to Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate the King of Kings. Amen. This is the color of my tie. Hallelujah. Can you lift your hands to the Lord and just give him praise this morning? Lord, I worship you for all you do. Lord, I worship you for who you are. Lord, I worship you because you are God. Lord, I worship you because you are on the throne. It is not by might, it is not by power. Lord, I worship you because you remain still. Heaven and earth may pass away. Lord God in heaven, I know a lot of water has passed under the bridge, but God remains the same. He says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to appreciate God. Say, Lord, I thank you for where I am now. Thank you for the life that I live. Thank you for open doors. Thank you for the things that, Lord God, you have showed me. Thank you, Lord God, in heaven, because my story has not been the same again. My life has not been the same again. Lord, I see the evidence of your hand in my life. I see the manifestation of your, of your hand in my family. Lord God in heaven, truly I can testify that the Lord is alive. Lift up your hands and give him praise. Appreciate him. Be grateful to him. Show gratitude to him. The Bible says, oh Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. Who laid the beams of your upper chambers upon the waters. The Bible says that you are clothed with honor and majesty. He maketh his angel spirit and his ministers a flame of fire. It is the Lord that has put a hedge round about you. It is because of the Lord that the enemy has not been able to reach you. If it has not been the Lord who has been on our side. Those who wanted to mock you, there were certain people, they have been, they have been waiting. They are waiting to mock you. But God has put them to shame. The God that has not allowed you to be an instrument of mockery. The God that has not allowed the flood to cover you. The God that has lifted up a standard against the enemy when the enemy came in like a flood. I want you to appreciate that God this morning. The God that has not allowed you to be an object of ridicule. The God that has lifted you from the merry clay and set your feet upon the rock. The God that has not allowed you to sleep. The God that has not allowed your name to be mentioned in worse places. The God that has not.
not allow the enemy to mock you. Lord God, I give you praise this morning. The God that has lifted me from the merry clay and set my feet upon the rock to stay. The God that has given me speed in making my feet like hinds feet. He set me upon my high places. Lord, I give you praise. I worship you today. In Jesus' name I pray. For everyone that has worshipped God this morning, in this service, your destiny will be serviced. I can't hear a living amen. amen. Consequent upon this service, your destiny will accelerate. Come on, shout a living amen. amen. Because you are here this morning, your destiny will gather speed. Amen. Whatever has been in slow motion in your life, oh yeah, begin to move forward. Begin to move forward. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Before you sit down, please just tell one or two people you are the next to be lifted. You are the next. You are the next to be lifted. Praise God. Thank you very much, choir. Thank you very much, instrumentalists. Thank you very much, church. I'm always excited to be here. Um, it, it's such an honor, it's such an honor, it's such a privilege. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't know whether you are excited to see me as I'm excited to see you, but I, I am excited to be here. You know. I mean, as soon as I parked and then the gentleman at the car park said hello, something jumped on me. There is something about this church. I, I don't know what it is. I think it's, maybe it's the pastor or the pastor's wife or, or the choir or I, I don't know what it is. There is something about this assembly. Hallelujah. Because you are in this assembly, your destiny will assemble. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I am here today by grace permit. Everybody say grace permit. I'm under permission of grace by God's servant, the pastor, and by, you know, um, the pastor's wife to minister today. I want to appreciate them for giving me this grace permit. You know, I've, I've walked abroad before and there is something that is called work permit. In order for you to work in that region, they give you work permit. And it is renewable every three months. So every three months I needed to go back and get work permit. But in the, in the church of God, I thank God for grace permit. Hallelujah. In your life, in your career, receive grace permit. When there is grace permit, it is tension-free. Uh, hallelujah. Praise God. And I want to appreciate God's servant also, Pastor Chidi, for giving me the privilege. I appreciate you. I celebrate you, sir. Hallelujah. And I'm looking forward to the opportunity to tap into the grace that he carries. He has a special grace, you know, for prophetic poetry. Uh, he knows what I'm talking about. Prophetic poetry. Amen. We're going to look at God's word today, and I want you to please turn your Bible to Psalm 103. Uh, we're going to start from Psalm 103, and very quickly, uh, we'll read um, some verses in Psalm 103, and then we'll go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. So first of all, go to Psalm 103, put your finger there, we'll read a few verses over there, and then we'll go to John chapter 6. Amen. Lord God, we pray that you will breathe on your word because the Bible says that the flesh profited nothing.
the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The word is not just spiritual, it is spirit. Uh, and it is life. It is spirit that gives life. The Bible says that it is the spirit that quickeneth or that giveth life. The flesh profited nothing. Uh, and the Bible says that the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And so we pray that what we, will re what we hear today will not be enticing words of man's wisdom, uh, but will be spirit from the spirit of God. It will be an interaction of spirit because God is the father of spirits. Uh, that's what the scripture says. And so, Lord God in heaven, there will be an intercourse between the spirit of God and the spirit of man in a way that will quicken our innermost spirits. And Lord God in heaven, we will fulfill your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Anyone excited, shout a living amen. amen. All right, I need to move as fast as possible because time is limited. I want to read Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Praise God. And then I'm going to read verse 6. Let me start from verse 6. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment unto all, I mean, for all that are oppressed. And verse 7 is where I'm going. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Uh, he, made, he, made way, he made known his ways unto Moses. And then he made also known his acts to the children of Israel. So there's a difference between the ways of God and the acts of God. There are some people that are satisfied with the acts of God. The manifestation of the hand of God. But you see, Moses was not satisfied with just the manifestation of the hand of God or the, the acts of God. Moses went further to unravel the ways of God. And this is, this is a picture of the kinds of people who interact with God. There are certain people who are satisfied with the things that God does. Uh, but then they do not go further, they do not press further to understand or to interact with who God is. So again, we can then, you know, make that delineation between those who know God and those who know about God. There are some people who know about God. They can tell you about God. They know the vocabulary, they know the diction of church. They know the things that are said. They know the right things to say at the right time. Because they have been in a very powerful environment like this, they have learned the diction over time. So they know about God or they know the acts of God. But then there are some people like Moses who know the ways of God. Those people who know God and they know God intimately and they have pressed forward, they have pressed further, they have gone beyond the protocols of church but they have gone into the principles of God the very principles of the heart of God. And it is these people who know God, these are the people that the Bible says that they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And those that do know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. All right, I see it come up right now. And such 
as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt. Shall he corrupt with flatteries? But there are some people that are different. Irrespective of what is happening around them, but there are some people that belong to a different class. They belong to a different grade. The Bible says, but the people that do know their God, not just those that know about God, the Bible says these people, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. I pray that you will enter into that realm in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, New Testament. Usually, um, in... Um, in, in homiletics, you know, the, 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 um, the art of preaching, in homiletics, in theology, they often say that, you know, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so, so sometimes my style is to look at evidence from the Old Testament, read something from the Old Testament and read something from the New Testament in order for us to correlate or triangulate that this is a scriptural truth that is established both on the canon of Old Testament and canon of New Testament. So that is why sometimes I like to take a scripture from Old Testament and then take a scripture from New Testament in order to validate the authenticity, the authenticity of an assertion in scripture. Again, this is also one of the tools that you use to test spirits. The Bible says test all spirits to know whether they are of God because something must be true both in the testaments and dispensations of the workings of God with man. It must correlate something in the New Testament and the Old Testament for us to then be able to draw evidence that this is an established truth. So that is why sometimes by default, I like to read something from Old Testament and New Testament. Okay, so New Testament, John chapter 6, John chapter 6. So the Bible talks in, in, the, book of, uh, in the book of Psalm about Moses. Moses knew the ways of God. He pressed further to know God to move closer to God, to interrogate the secrets of our faith. You know, there are some people that they do, you do not really know the mysteries of the faith that we carry, the mysteries of the Christian faith. There are lots of people in the church, the only thing that you scratch is you scratch the surface of Christianity. You do not interrogate what it is really about, the mysteries of the blood of Jesus, the mystery, the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness, quote unquote, had the Bible described it, the foolishness of the cross. For you to understand that, you know, by faith is how you can contact, you can have relationship between the natural and the supernatural. A lot of people are just satisfied with the periphery, just being in church and doing the motion and doing the things that you are supposed to do, and going through activities, and perhaps also seeking God for mundane things, and seeking God for the things that satisfy our natural cravings in this world. A lot of people, that is the only realm where you stop. And if you look at it in terms of typologies, you know, New Testament, Old Testament typology, you will see that even in the tabernacle of the old, there was the outer court, right? There was the outer court. How many of you have read Leviticus, you know, Exodus? Again, this is, a, this is also an evidence of how much we take our time to interrogate what our faith is all about. 
Because most of the time, what people know is that I shall be the head and not the tail. And that is very powerful. It is in the scripture. But you see, when you interrogate the structure and the principles upon which our faith is predicated, you need to also read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You need to read all of those things. Because what the Bible, the way the Bible explains truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth revealed. But in the Old Testament, the truth is established. But Jesus is the revelation of the truth. Jesus came to confirm what had already been established. And that is the reason why it is also important for us to use Old Testament principles to build as we understand what our faith is really about. That's the reason why I want to make this illustration. In the Old Testament, when God told Moses to build the tabernacle, there was the outer court, there was the inner court, and there was the Holy of Holies. The generality of the children of Israel were often at the outer court. That is where most people stay. But then there are some people that press further. And they say that, look, I am not satisfied with just walking with God on the outward. I want to understand beyond my needs, beyond the things that I want on a daily basis in my life. Beyond the natural inklings that I have as a human being. And those things are legitimate. The fact that I want God to do this for me. I want God to intervene in my family. I want God to intervene in my career. I want God to intervene in my marriage. I want to see the hand of God in any area of my life. I want my business to prosper. And these are legitimate requests. But then... It is also important as Christians for us to say that how do I press further from being an outer court follower to getting into the inner court with God? Because that is a place that is reserved for those who know their God. And then there, is, there was in the, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament structure of the Holy of Holies that was reserved only for the high priest. And there was a veil that covered, that put a barrier between the Holy of Holies and the inner court. But the Bible says that, you know, that veil has now been removed. So, whereas in the Old Testament, it was left only for the high priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. Right now in the New Testament, the Bible says in Revelation that we are kings and priests. So, we as priests, we can press in. But, you know, to press in depends on you to pay the price. To be the kind of follower of Jesus that you should be. And with that background, let me go to John chapter, chapter 6 uh, verse 25. The Bible says, and when they had found him on the other side, John chapter 6 from verse 25. Um, they found him on the other side. They said unto him, Rabbi, when did you come hither? Jesus answered them and said, verily I say unto you, you are not looking for me because you saw the miracles and the awesomeness of God. Because, you know, miracles are evidence, they're evidences of the awesomeness of God. Miracles are vehicles through which God reveals himself. So, so you are not looking for me because you saw the evidence of God's manifestation and because you desire for God's manifestation, you are looking for me because you eat the loaves and you were filled. Okay, the background of this, take a few steps backward. The background of this is that this was the chapter where Jesus multiplied bread. 
five loaves and, and, and two fish. Have you, have you, you've read that scripture before, you've read that story before in the Bible. When Jesus multiplied, you know, five loaves and two pieces of fish to the multitude, 5,000. And the Bible says, when, when it was evening, Jesus withdrew himself and he went to the mountain. And then the disciples took a boat and they crossed to the other side. And then the multitude then wondered, where, where, where is Jesus? And they began to look for Jesus. They looked for Jesus all over Tiberias, all over the side, this side of Galilee, where Tiberias, where was called Tiberias. And when they didn't see Jesus there, they crossed over to the other side, which is Capernaum, and they were looking for Jesus. And when they found Jesus eventually, that's verse 25, and they said, Lord, we have been looking for you everywhere. Pastor, where have you been? Where have you been? Eh? We have been looking for you all over the place. And Jesus said, the reason why you are looking for me is because you are looking for bread. May you not be that kind of Christian that is just looking for bread in the house of God. May you not be the kind of Christian that the reason why you come to church early, the reason why you join the workforce, the reason why you are very active in the church, the reason why you are doing the things that you are doing is because, God, I want you to do this for me. So it is now a deal, you know, it is a deal between you and God. You have signed, and in your mind, God too has signed, that unless you do this for me, I will not continue to do for you the things that I do for you. So Jesus answered them in verse 26. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because you saw the awesomeness of God. It's not because of the awesomeness of God. It's not because of the miracles of God. It's not because the, of the presence of God. That is not the reason why you are looking for me, but you are looking to eat bread. You are looking for bread. And verse 27 says, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto them for him hath God the Father sealed. Verse 28 Then said they unto him What shall we do that we might walk the works of God? You know, as I looked at this verse of scripture, this, this passage of scripture these people, even though Jesus told them seek for that which is more important they continued to manipulate Jesus. They said, what shall we do so that we can do supernatural things? We also want to be able to multiply bread like this. All right? Because if we multiply bread like this, perhaps we will be able to commercialize it in our own case. So they were trying to prompt Jesus. Tell us, how did you do that thing? Because if we're able to do it, perhaps we will not, be able to, we will not need to seek you anymore. We will now package it into a product. I will now begin to sell it and commercialize it. Do you know that there are people who come to church like that because they are looking for things to commercialize? And Jesus answered them, verse 29, and said unto them, this is the work of God. Focus on what is important. Believe on him whom he has sent. Believe on him whom he has sent. The salvation of your soul first, before you seek for the ephemeral, before you seek for the material, before you seek for bread, the manifestation of God is very important. But God is more important. Because these were people who have not believed on him. In other words, they were not saved. That is the reason why the Bible says, Jesus said, many shall come in my name on that day and say, did we not do miracles in your name? There are actually people who can do miracles in the name of Jesus, but they are not saved. That is the reason why Jesus said that in another scripture. That there are some people that will come to him and they said, and they will say, We did great works in your name. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am not excited, but I, you know, I, I'm not excited to say this, but I have to say that, you know, there are many places where miracles happen and they are not even saved. And people have not even given their hearts to Christ. And people are not even followers of God. They are just followers of bread. They are just seekers of the bread. They are seekers of the material, of the benefits, of the manifestation. Sometimes they are seekers of drama. They need drama. They need some things to look... Um, they need, they need some things to look spectacular. And because people are seeking for the spectacular, there are also certain individuals and certain ministers who have tailored the way that they carry out the dispensation of ministry in a way to express the spectacular. Because if that is what people need, then, okay, you know, on a regular basis, there will be people that will come to church and then do certain things, and then they'll put it on social media. I'm sure that you must have been seeing some of those things on social media. And those things look very, um, they look very dramatic. You begin to wonder, what is all this? What, why, what is going on here? Why are we going to this extreme? Why are people going to this extreme just to make themselves trend or make themselves noticeable? These are the kinds of people here. They said to Jesus, look, Jesus, tell us how to do this work so that we can commercialize it. Okay, verse 30. After Jesus told them in verse 29, the first thing is the salvation of your soul. Because he said that you believe in me first and foremost. That is the most important thing. Receive the salvation of your soul. Receive the regeneration of your spirit first. Get your life aligned with God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. But in verse 31, they pressed further. Sorry, verse 30, they pressed further. They said therefore unto him, what sign do you show us? Show us a sign. Jesus said in verse 29, first of all, get saved. But they continue to press and manipulate Jesus. Show us a sign that we may see and believe. So show us first. When we see, we will believe. But you see, that is against the order of scripture. It is when you believe that you see. But they wanted, they wanted to see in order to believe. And they said, what does thou walk? And then they were saying that our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then, verse 32, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, verse 33, is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Verse 36, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye, have, ye also have seen me, and believe not. So they were talking about a bread that was material in nature, and Jesus was talking about another kind of bread. The kind of bread that Jesus was talking about is grace. The grace of God. The grace of God that brings salvation. And that is why I've titled this 
conversation this morning, seekers of bread versus seekers of grace. Those guys came to Jesus, obviously, seeking for their own kind of bread. And, and, then, and, and, and even though Jesus made the best effort to put them in perspective, that first and foremost, you need to believe on me. I want to give you the true bread. I am the true bread. But they continue to insist. And show a sign. Do you know one of the reasons why? A lot of times, a lot of times, um, and I say this with due respect, I say this with a lot of responsibility. A lot of times, the reason why you have a lot of false prophets and false preachers is because the congregations themselves, they are placing demand upon people who stand on the podium to do something. Do something so that we can see. Exactly what happened to Jesus. That's exactly what people do today. That if you don't do something, you are not a powerful man of God. So powerful, quote and unquote, man of God is someone that can do like this. And everybody will just fall like that. And then when he does like this, everybody also will then fall like that. So if that is the thing that you want, then it will arrange certain people who are fallers. There will be professional fallers that will now come to church. And because of, and because of the psychology of compliance, because of the psychology of compliance, if I get a number of significant people or a, or, a, or a significant number of people who are sitting in front and we have had a conversation and I say, if I do like this, all of you fall like this. All right? Because that is happening, you will get quote and unquote anointing. And you too will begin to fall. You say, I don't know what came over, over me. It is psychology. It's nothing, nothing came upon you. Nothing came over you. Now, I'm not saying that there are, not, there are times that people, God decides to move in a way that he decides to move. But what I'm talking about right now is that these things are orchestrated. Because people come to church and they're asking pastor, show us sign. And because the pastor too wants to survive, he will show you sign now. Maybe it's a sign you want to see. But this is not where you are. I said this is not where you are. Where you are is a different place. Because where you are, you are taught the word of God line upon line, precept upon precept. You are taught not to be a seeker of bread. You are taught to be a seeker of grace. Look at what the Bible says in verse 1. John chapter 6, the same John chapter 6. The Bible says, okay, verse 2. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Look at two categories of people. There were the multitudes, seekers of bread. Verse 2. They followed him. Be careful when you see multitude. It is not all the time that the multitude is real. Be careful when you see multitude. It is not all the time. And I said my, and I picked my words carefully. Because there are, there are times that the multitude is real. Because, you know, Jesus too pulled multitude. But I'm just saying, because, be careful. When you see multitudes and they just follow. And you see that, and when you, when you see that multitude follow, one of the things that will help you to discern is to say, what are they following? That is what you should ask. Make inquiry. What are they following? What is going on? What are the principles upon which that gathering is predicated? Are they predicated on the word of God, on the doctrines of scripture, on the truths of Christ? Are they predicated on that or are they predicated on drama? 
on certain things that make people to say, ah, did you see that? Did you see that? So verse 2 talks about a category of people, the multitude. And then verse 3 talks about another category of people, the disciples. Those people, in verse 3, Jesus went up to the mountain and the disciples went up to the mountain and sat with him. The disciples are always on the mountain with Jesus. The multitude are at the valley. They are looking for bread. May you not be counted among the multitude. May you not be counted among the multitude. In the name of Jesus. So we see these two categories of people. Let me just quickly give you this dichotomy in the church and then perhaps I will pick on a few more points and then we'll round off. Amen. So there are different kinds of people. There are those who are the spiritual people. There are some people who come to church, they seek for spiritual experiences, but there are some other people, they are socialites. There are people who are disciples and there are some other people who are deceivers. There are people who are seekers of God and there are some other people who are seekers of gold. There are people who are like ministers. They want to come and minister to God and minister to other believers. But there are other people who are mixed multitudes. So it is not everybody that comes to church that is in tune with God. There is always that dichotomy. The seekers of bread and the seekers of grace. I want you to look at another scripture. Look at the Bible in Titus chapter 2. Titus, Titus chapter 2. And I just want to quickly talk about what the seekers of grace looks like. Who are those people? Who are those people? And perhaps this is where I'm going to just round off on this scripture. Titus chapter 2. It gives us a picture of who the seekers of grace, who they are. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. And verse 12 says that the grace teaches us. The grace appears and then the grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, five is the number of grace. So let me quickly give you five operations of grace from this verse of scripture. Five operations of grace. Number one, one of the things that grace comes to do is to redeem us. Grace comes to redeem us. That's number one. Grace comes to redeem us. That's why he says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. To redeem means to buy you back and pay a price that you cannot pay for your sins. Because you owe a debt that you cannot pay, grace redeems you. In other words, grace buys you back. So grace gives you salvation that you do not deserve. All right? Grace is the lavish unmerited act of God upon humanity. Grace is the lavish unmerited act of God upon humanity. So the first thing that God that grace does is that it redeems us. Then number 2, and this is the part that some people leave out. Grace reforms us. Grace also reforms us. If grace does not reform you, then I doubt whether you have experienced grace. All right? Because I hear people teach certain things. And some of the people who teach these things, they're on TBN. And I do not want to mention people's names. I am very, sometimes I hear some people teach on TBN. And I'm, and I'm looking, ah, what is going on here? All right? 
Why is this guy saying? And he's a very, and these are very respectable guys. But you know, it seems as if they talk about a version of grace that redeems us, but they do not seem to emphasize that also the operation of grace is to reform us. That is number two thing that grace does. And you see, the thing is, the thing is this. The seekers of bread in the church, it is so enshrined that in order to satisfy these seekers of bread in church, it seems to me that even the way that grace is taught, grace is taught in a way to satisfy them, to address their concern and make them feel comfortable. So whereas people teach about the, the version of grace that redeems us, they seem not to talk about the version of grace that reforms us because the Bible says, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness, that is what grace does. Grace does that. Grace does that. If you have experienced grace, Jesus said um, unto the multitude that if truly you have repented, bring forth the fruit of salvation. That is the kind of grace that we have received. That is the kind of grace that Calvary brings. Because the Bible says that he's able to save us to the uttermost. In other words, he's able to save us completely. So if grace saves you from the consequence of sin, and grace does not deliver you from the power of sin, that is not complete. That grace is not complete. So by necessity, in order for grace to be effective, and for us to prove the efficacy of the blood of Jesus, it is very necessary that grace must not only redeem you, it must reform you. That's number two. It must reform you. Number three, grace rewards us. Grace rewards us. Grace rewards us. Yes, it is true that because of grace you can have breakthrough. It is according to scripture. I am just saying that that is not priority. I'm not saying it's not in scripture. Hello. It is in scripture. Grace rewards us. That's number three. Number four, grace restores us. Even if you go astray, even if you miss it, even if you fail, even if you stumble, grace will restore you. You know the, the story of the prodigal son? The story of the prodigal son, the purpose of that story, the main premise of that story is that God was illustrating the extent of his grace. How much he will wait for you. How much he will be patient for you. How much he will search for you. Whatever God needs to do. Sometimes God will allow life to bring you to your knees if you have stopped praying. Because it is when life brings you to your knees, you begin to pray again. That is the extent that God will do. That is, sorry, that's the extent that God will go. That is the reason for the story of the prodigal son. To illustrate that whatever God needs to do, because you are saved by grace. And it is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. That is the reason why he will do whatever he needs to do. So number four, grace restores us. And then number five, grace re retains us. Great, re grace retains us. In other words, grace preserves us. Grace preserves us. Grace preserves us. The Bible says that we are saved we are preserved, rather, by the, power of, by the power of faith in God. We are preserved by God. Amen. Let me round off. Let me round off because, you know, I've run out of time and there are still a number of things I want to teach about. But very quickly, I'll just read this out to you and then I will not expand shit. 
so that we can just rise up and pray. Seven attributes of those who have found grace. Number one, they are saved. Number two, they are sanctified. They are made holy. They are separated unto God. Or they are filled with the spirit of God. They are sanctified and spirit filled. That's number two. Number three, they are earnest seekers. Earnestly contend for the faith. Jude chapter 1 verse 3, which was once delivered unto the saints. Number four, attributes of those who have found grace. You know, they may not be sinless, but they are sincere. John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 to 9. If we say that we have not sinned, we lie, but the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is why I said one of the attributes of those who have received grace is that number four, they may not be sinless, but they are sincere. And then I drew from 1 John chapter 1 verses 8 to 9. Number five, they are surrendered. Number five, they are surrendered. Number six, they are simple-hearted. They are simple-hearted. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then number seven, they are spiritually sensitive. Those are people who have received grace. These are people who have received grace. And God is seeking for people to come before him who are seekers of grace. Please, can you stand to your feet and lift up your hands to God and say, Lord, I'm here to seek grace. I'm not a seeker of bread. I want to seek grace. I need to contact your grace. I need an experience every day of my life. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, if you have received the grace of God, say, Lord God in heaven, I need the grace of God to be deepened in my life, to go from grace to grace, to go from faith to faith in the name of Jesus. And if you have not met the Lord this morning, if you have not given your life to Christ, but you are here today, uh, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Can you open your mouth and pray and seek the Lord right now? Just, just talk to the Lord very quickly. 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 Lord, in the name of Jesus, there are multitudes that do not want to be counted among them. I want to be counted among the disciples, among the people who press into the mysteries of God. The Bible says that unto you, who are the people of God? Unto you, the real disciples of the faith. Unto you who carry the mysteries of the faith and of the blood of Jesus and of the cross of Christ. It is unto you that is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But those people who are without, you see the people who are multitudes, it is not given unto them. These are just people who are just titillating themselves. But unto you who have pressed further to interrogate the matters of your faith, spiritual depth in Christ it is unto you that is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom in Jesus precious name just before I hand over the microphone I want to pray for someone this morning I'm here this morning I've never met Christ I'm here yeah I go to church yeah I do the norms yes I do the things I do the form I have the religion the Bible says that there are people who have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof all right? Salvation is the power of God unto salvation, unto redemption. The gospel, I, I meant to say, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is not motivational preaching. 
good news that makes you feel better. That is not the gospel. Because it is of necessity that the gospel that is according to scripture must have power. It must have power to save. If it doesn't have power to save, it is just management. It is just psychology. And it is not the word of God. I am seeing preachers these days that are saying I am life coach. You are not a life coach. God did not call a pastor to be a life coach. God called you to be a carrier of the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. If you want to be a life coach, leave the pulpit and then start a consulting service. Start a consulting service. How many of you want to experience the power of God unto salvation? These are the people I'm calling this morning. You want to give your heart to Christ. I need the power that gives me salvation, that, that breaks the yoke of sin over my life and gives me the grace to walk with God. The grace to walk with God. Can you please step forward? I want to just pray with you very quickly. I want to pray with you. If you are here, you want to experience the real thing. The real thing. It's not gimmick. It's not game. It's not, it's not church. It's, it's not... It's not it's not abracadabra. I want to experience the, the real thing. My Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you an usher? Please, can you take my brother and pray with him? Please, can you take my brother and pray with him? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please take. Please follow my brother there. And he'll pray with you and he'll give you the next instruction. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you because at the entrance of your word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. We thank you, Lord God in heaven, because what you have given to us are eternal mysteries. What you have given to us is not a game, it's not a gimmick. The scripture, the word of God, we are carriers of mysteries, eternal mysteries. And Lord God in heaven, I pray that you help us, the people of God, to understand what this is about. You help the church, the body of Christ, to understand what this is all about. Give us discernment. Give us, give us an earnest spirit. The Bible says, earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto, unto, the, unto the saints. Lord God in heaven, we do not want to belong to the woke generation. That is not what you called us to be. And there are people and there are churches and there are assemblies and there are groups and there are speakers and there are ministers that are de declining and, and, and going aside into the woke culture, into, the, into all sorts of things. But Lord God in heaven, the Bible says that in the last days, if it were possible, even the very elect shall be deceived. But we thank you Lord God because it is not possible. And so for all of us here today, I pray that we'll be preserved until the last day. In the name of Jesus. Can you just open your mouth and thank God for this, for this word this morning as, as God's servant comes to round off. Just thank God for this word.